do you ever have this like sense that something is on its way? Like you ever walk into a room and you feel like something is there and you're not sure if somebody is hiding behind the corner or when you were a kid, you would turn the lights off and you're like, I feel something is about to happen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You have this feeling, this overarching, overwhelming feeling like something is about to take place. I can't help but notice over the past few weeks, that's how I feel about the church. Over the past few weeks, over the past few days, um, I've been purposely separating myself um, and detaching myself from a lot of distractions in my life. And uh, it's amazing when you do that, when you set aside social media, when you choose to turn off the TV, when you choose to just eliminate yourself from distractions, turn off the notifications on your phone. It's amazing how clear the voice of God gets (laughs) in all of that. Um, It's amazing how clear you can start to begin to realize like God is actually speaking to you all the time, but oftentimes you just can't hear him because you're so distracted with a thousand things that you've got going on. And I can't help but think over the past few weeks, like God is up to something right now in this church, in this place. He's up to something within these people. And God really spoke a word to me over the past few weeks. And it was a simple word and it was simply just move. We've got to keep moving forward. And I think that oftentimes in our life, we find ourselves in seasons of life when we convince ourselves, well, in this, seasons of, in this season that I'm in right now, well, it's just a hard season. It's a difficult season. It's a trying season. So I can just downshift right now. I don't have to move forward. I can just kind of be. I don't need to keep going. I don't need to move because it's difficult. Anybody ever been there? It's just a hard season, so you give yourself the excuse of, I'm just going to take a break, I'm just going to downshift, but here's what I believe that God would say to us this morning. The second that you stop moving forward in your relationship with Jesus is actually the moment that you start declining. It is actually the moment that the enemy gets a one-up on you, and all of a sudden you find yourself in this downward spiral of, how in the world did I get here? So I believe if there's one word that would ring in your ears over this, over this morning, it would simply be the word move. Move. Keep moving. And, and here's what I need you to understand. Some of you, the reason that you cannot move forward is because you're still living in the past. The reason you can't move forward is because your past decisions are now affecting your present day. The mistakes that you made in the past are now affecting the decisions that you make today and you can't move forward to a better future that God has for you because you're still stuck in the past. I had this thought this week. Oftentimes we blame the enemy for so many things and you ever like find yourself in Walmart and you don't get the parking lot and you're like, man, the devil is just after me today, (laughs) right? Or, Or maybe it's something more serious like in your life and maybe it's a sin pattern, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's finances, maybe it's simply just your identity. Maybe you feel like constantly, man, I'm just not enough. I feel like I'll never measure up or I'll never be enough or I can never be what God has designed me to be. Can, can, I, can I tell you something? The enemy didn't create you, so that also means that he does not have the ability to reign over you if you don't let him. See, we are created by God, and if we are created by God, it means that we have an identity that is going to be found in our Father. And if we can get to that place, then we can get to a place where we start moving forward. So how many of you want to move forward to a future where ultimately your past mistakes are not affecting your present day? 
Anybody want to get to that place? Um, we were on vacation this week, and the last day of vacation, we, my kids, every night, we, were, we had this, this hotel that we would look over, and you could see the beach. And every night, when, this, when it would go black, you would see all these flashlights all over the beach. And um, one of my kids, Eli, he goes, man, what are they doing? And I said, well, they're, they're hunting for these little sand crabs. And he's like, I want to do that. And I was like, that sounds horrible. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, you never know, like, when you have kids and you're like, okay, we're going to do it. And then every day they ask you, are we going to go to the beach tonight? And we're like, tomorrow we will. Okay. And then they ask you again, are we going to go to the beach tonight? Tomorrow. So it's finally the last day of vacation. And he's like, are we going to the beach tonight? And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go to the beach. So we, all six kids down to the beach. And I'm thinking, these crabs have got to be at least this size, okay? These little sand crabs. And I look down, and they are the, like, they're like this. I'm like, this is what people are hunting. What are people doing with their lives hunting for these little things? But I noticed something, and, it's, and it's crazy when you start eliminating distractions from your life, even in just the most mundane, simple things of life, how God just immediately speaks to you. So I'm walking around, and we have these flashlights, and they've got these nets, and my kids are chasing these little crabs, and, and Eli's like, Man, dude, we, we, can, we need to get a bunch of them. We can eat them. I'm like, we're not eating these things. And uh, so he's, he's got like a net full of just sand crabs. He's like, what do we do with them? I'm like, we're going to let them go. That's what you do with them. And, uh, but I notice as we're hunting for them, these sand crabs, they would not move until the light would shine on them. And as soon as the light came into that little sand burrow that they had, all of a sudden they would take off. And I realized something in that moment that oftentimes forward progress in your life requires God shining a light on the things in your life that are dark. And all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, I've got to get out of here, right? So have you ever been in a service or have you ever been in a circumstance or a situation in, in life where all of a sudden God shines a light on your weakness and he gives you an opportunity to get some strength and he gives you an opportunity to get out of your past and move forward to a better future and that light shines on it and you go, oh my Lord, let me get out of here. Or maybe you get into community and all of a sudden people start to get to know you and they start to get to know the real you, not the you that you put on for everybody at church, right? They start to get to know you and all of a sudden as soon as the light starts shining on you, you have a decision to make. You can either run or you can embrace it. You can either run away or you can either embrace it. And I will beg to differ if you choose not to embrace it. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to spend the rest of your life running backwards. Here's what I've learned over this season of life. True movement, forward progress is gained when you allow God to shine light on your weaknesses. And rather than Running away from it, you allow God to discipline you, you allow God to shape you, you allow God to move you in that moment rather than burying yourself in the sand. What if the areas in your life that you have kind of hidden, what if the areas in your life that you have distanced yourself and God is now shining a light on them, what are we doing with those moments? What are we doing with those areas in our life? Here's this kind of main theme, this main thought that you cannot miss. No light, no movement. If God is not shining a light somewhere in your life, listen, as long as you follow Jesus, God is always going to have his finger on something. 
Because if he doesn't, then we get stagnant, don't we? We kind of get comfortable. It's like you can't get into fifth gear and then all of a sudden shift down to one, right? You know what happens to the car. The, The transmission just falls out on the interstate. There has to be this idea of forward progress. Psalms 119, 105 says it this way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a what? A light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if we're going to make healthy movement, there's a few things that we need. Number one, we've got to get into a habit of connecting with Jesus. I can't tell you how many Christians that my wife and I and some of our teams sit down and counsel with, and it's just like, man, I'm just having a hard time in my relationship with Jesus. Like, I don't know what's going on. And we, we start diving into just the simplistic principles of following Jesus. Like, man, do you ever talk to God? Do you know that you can talk to God just like you talk to people here in this room? It doesn't have to be super spiritual. It doesn't have to be like, our Father, just, you know, bless thee. Like, it doesn't have to be that. Do you know that you can come into a place and in relationship with Jesus and say, God, God, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I feel like all my prayers are going unanswered. What's going on? You know, you can do that. You know, it's not blasphemous to do that. See, if you're going to make forward movement, we've got to get back to the basics of maybe it's opening up the Bible, reading it, allowing God to, sh- to, sh- to, to sharpen us and shape us. Maybe it's diving into community and getting known with other people. Maybe it's showing up to church regularly. How many of you have ever um, tried to navigate through a dark room with no flashlight and you have the scars to prove it? How many of you have kids and you navigate through a dark room and you step on a Lego? How many? That's the devil right there, <laughs> right? You ever like, I, I, we, whenever we, uh, when we first moved, I remember I used to have this, you know, I don't, I don't like to flip on any lights if I have to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or get a sip of water or something. I don't like to flip on any lights, so I've kind of memorized this path, you know, and you're just kind of feeling through the darkness. Okay, I know how I, and my chair is here, the bed's here, and you're navigating through there until you can finally get to the toilet or the sink, get some water. I remember when we moved, like, everything was, like, not in place, and so we have this chair in our room, and there's a desk, and I usually sit at this chair and read, but on, at the chair there is this footstool that I guess one of my kids decided it would be a good idea to put it in the middle of the room. And so I wake up at about 3 o'clock in the morning, I've got to go to the bathroom, and I'm walking, and you know, I've got my path, the path that I'm supposed to be taking. I don't turn on any lights or anything like that, and I faceplant over this stool. And the thing that made me even more angry as I, like, the first I'm angry because I face planted, and then I hear my wife in bed going, <coughs> I'm like, I'm going to smother you, right? Why do, I, why do I say that story? I say this because oftentimes when you don't allow God to deal with the wounds of the past, that's how we look. We're navigating in the darkness and we can't see the things that are right in front of us. We can't see the things that are right in front of us and we keep asking questions. Why do I keep tripping over these things? Why do I keep stumbling? Why do I keep falling? Why do I keep getting anxiety and depression? And why, do I, why is my shame ruling my life? Why do I keep having these things? It's because you're constantly running from God shining a light on your weaknesses. 
See, if you want to make forward progress, if you want to jump on this idea of we've got to keep moving down the road, there's two different types of movements. There's two different kinds of things that you can get on this morning. The first one is this, what I'm going to call insane movement. And this is wandering in circles in the dark, thinking you will eventually reach your destination. This is you just living your own life thinking, well, eventually I'm just going to arrive. I'm just going to get over my past. One day it won't affect me anymore. You know, time will heal things. I don't know if you realize this. Time actually makes things worse. Time doesn't heal anything. Jesus does. (laughs) Time doesn't. Time often makes it worse because what do you do? You stuff it down there. And the more that you stuff it down there, the more that your bitterness rises, the more that your shame captivates you. There's all these sorts of things that begin to happen. This is the type of movement that leaves you at a place where you feel like I'm moving forward, but I'm not making any progress. You ever show up to work and you feel like you were really busy, but you got nothing done? (laughs) Isn't that frustrating? And oftentimes our spiritual lives look a lot like that because we're making this insane movement. We're not allowing God to shape and shine a light on the weakest parts of our, of our life. And so we, we think, I'll just navigate on my own. Actually, Solomon in the scriptures in Ecclesiastes felt exactly like this. There's actually a chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I'm going to read it, verse 1 through 11. And this is Solomon. He said, I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. A set of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guided me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on my folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. So watch what he does. He's trying to find some kind of way to cheer himself up. So he says, okay, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. This would be the equivalent of, you know, you buying a nice house and you getting a boat and all those kinds of things. He said, I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing trees. I bought myself male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. This was essentially saying, I didn't cook, I didn't clean, I didn't do laundry. How many, that that might be nice. (laughs) He said, I did all these things. I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of sons of man. Watch this, verse 9. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me. So what is he said, I was the richest person alive. Every gadget that I could have wanted, I had it. In verse 10, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward in my toil. Then watch this. In verse 11, he totally shifts his tune. So for 10 verses, he's saying, I took everything that I ever wanted. Money was never an issue. If I saw it, I bought it. And then verse 11, then I considered all that my hands had done. And the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Like, how does he get to that place? How does he get to a place where he said, I had everything that I ever wanted. 
Some of us are there now. Like, if I just had a better house, then I would be happy. If I just had more money, then I would be happy. If I could just get a little bit more of a rate, then I would be happy. Have you ever exhausted yourself over the idea of what you could be that you actually get depressed with where you're at now? (laughs) And you learn not to enjoy the moment that you're actually in now because you're fantasizing about where you want to be? Do you know that God actually loves the present you right now and not the future you? See, some of us get wrapped in this idea of God will love me when I do this, this, and this, and this. Or when I can get over this, then God will be proud of me. So let's play this scenario out. How many of you have ever gone for a week or so and you're like, I I just haven't slept well at all? Anybody? And how many of you have ever drank a little too much NyQuil? Let's just be honest, it's confession time. (laughs) Now, let me ask you a question. Maybe you get some NyQuil and you finally, you sleep really good. A little too good. (laughs) You're late for work. And all of a sudden, when you wake up in the morning, okay, all right, got a good night's sleep, and you lay in bed the next night, and you still can't have trouble sleeping, so then what do you do? You drink some more NyQuil, right? And now this pattern begins to play out. What do you need to sleep? NyQuil. You need something to help you sleep. Now, this temporarily fixes the issue momentarily, right? So the NyQuil helps you fall asleep, but it's not actually treating the problem like you're actually having an issue going to sleep, right? This is what Solomon is saying. He's saying, I had something going on in my heart, so I just, I started buying stuff. I started building stuff. I started shopping. I started, you know, uh, trying to get more follows on Facebook. Whatever it was, I started gathering all these things for myself, and then I realized it only temporarily fixed the issue. And it did not, in the end, fix the issue. See, the movement that Solomon was making was this insane type of movement. He's almost going in circles. I'm building things. I'm creating things. I'm gathering things, but I'm not moving forward. He says in Ecclesiastes 2.1, he said, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, what? All was vanity and striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So why does Solomon say that it was all worthless? He says it was all worthless because it did not lead me to Jesus. Now, he's not saying that, you know, you can't have nice stuff. He's not saying that you can't go out and have fun. He's not saying any of that. He's saying the things that I thought that, would, that it would give me what I wanted never actually yielded what I really wanted. The things that I thought would bring pleasure to my heart, the things that I thought would satisfy this endless thirst that I had, never did. It was this insane type of movement. I feel like I'm moving forward, but I'm not making any movement. See, temporary relief can make us feel like we're making progress, but in the end, we just need more NyQuil. (laughs) So I want to ask you a question. Because this is something that God has really dealt with me over the past month. The things that you think that you need to give you rest, is it what really gives your soul rest? I don't know about you, but I just went on a week-long vacation, and I come back to reality, and I can still be tired. Right? Like, in the end, the vacation is not what I need. 
in the end, there's something that I've got to do some deep soul searching and go, okay, what is it that is making me anxious, that is making me stressed? What is it in my life that actually has to be reoriented so that I can hear the voice of God clearer? I'm, I, I don't have any like facts on this. I'm just giving you this off of personal experience here, but I've been off of social media for almost a month. And I can tell you, I'm almost convinced, and I bet you I could prove it, that the level of stress, depression, anxiety, and all the things that I would feel in the day, it's just not there. <laughs> and let me tell you why. Because now you, have, you can wake up in the morning, you get on one click, and all of a sudden you hear bad news. All of a sudden, some, somebody's dying, somebody's got blown up, and somebody's arguing, and somebody's gossiping. And all of a sudden, before you know it, within the next 30 minutes, you just got sucked into this whirlwind of depression, anxiety, stress. And then you're like, why am I so stressed? Because <laughs> you just read nothing but bad news for 30 minutes. And for most of us, if you were like me, it was like the first thing that you would grab. You know, you'd gravitate towards the news. You'd gravitate towards Instagram or Facebook. And maybe you didn't feel depressed, but maybe you get off of social media and you feel like, man, I'm not enough. Because you get on Instagram and, she, and you're like, well, she's skinnier than me. I'll never be that skinny, right? Or they got better taste than me. Or man, they, they can afford better. Ba-. And you start looking at your life and going, this will never be me. But it's crazy when you begin to silence the noise of all that, you can actually start making some movement. You can actually start realizing like the real issues that are causing the things in your life. And this is where God wants to move us to today. What we want to do today is we want to make some forward movement. Forward movement. See, Psalms 119.105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and what? A light to my path. So I want to ask you a question today. Do you really trust God? And I think most of us would say yes. But if you look at your life, do you really? Do we really trust God? Because here's what trusting God really looks like. It's you walking on a dark beach and he lights up just enough light so you can see one foot in front of the other. You can't see the whole path. You just see one foot in front of the other and God says, you just keep trusting me and you just keep walking. I'm not going to show you the whole path because if I show you the whole path, you'd mess it up anyway. So really trusting God with everything that you are is just one foot in front of the other, making forward movement regardless of what happens, understanding that God has your best intentions in mind. See, forward movement only happens when we are reliant on a word from Jesus to guide our journey. How many of you would say, just a show of hands, like, it would be nice to hear from God about what to do next? Anybody? How many of you say, it'd be nice to know what my purpose is? It'd be nice to know what, where I'm supposed to be in the next five years? Here's what you've got to do if you want to answer those questions. You've got to move forward to a prayer life. You've got to move forward to spending time with Jesus. You've got to move forward to diving into community. You've got to move forward to prayer and devotion, to reading your Bible, to doing all those things. And it doesn't, listen, it doesn't mean that all those things save you because they don't. Doing more does not save you. 
That's the beauty of the gospel. It says, well, as soon as you believe, like God says, you are mine. It's not about doing more. It's if you want to have an intimate relationship with Jesus and you want to hear from him, you want to connect with him, you don't want this to just be another religious experience, but you want to have an encounter with God, you have to move forward to this idea of, okay, God, I am here to connect with you, whatever it takes, whatever I need to remove from my life right now so that I can hear you, whatever distractions that I need to put out of my way so that I can spend time with you. Listen, if you choose today to stay where you are, you're choosing insanity. And here's what I mean by this. The sad truth is many of us never move forward because we like our comfort. We love our comfort. I love this quote from William Booth. It's always affected me that the, from the first time that I've heard it. He said this, if you want to change the future, then you have to trouble the present. You want to change the future, you want to reorient the direction of your life. If you don't like where you're going right now, you have to upset the present life that you live right now. You have to get uncomfortable. See, we always talk about growth in church, and we always talk about being free of our past and God coming in, but I want you to understand something. True freedom requires true pain. <laughs> true freedom requires pain. It requires you getting a little bit uncomfortable. It requires you embracing some things that you don't typically want to embrace. And what do I mean when I say you got to get uncomfortable? I couldn't find a better verse in the Bible than this. Proverbs 6, 20 through 23. This is what it means to say, God, I'm all yours. This is what it means to get uncomfortable. This is what it means to truly trust God. It says, my son, keep your father's commandments. And forsake not your mother's teaching. Now watch this, verse 21. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and in the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. What is this passage saying? It's saying two things. First thing. Hold on to the word of God, and it will guide you and lead you in every area of your life. So ultimately, the scriptures, the word of God becomes this guide. Like, I'll just be honest with you. Some of you don't need to hear the voice of God. Some of you just need to open the book and look at it. <laughs> it's not just like, oh, I just need a fresh word from God. Like, it's there. <laughs> it's right there. I love how the verse says, look, tie it around your neck. Read it, memorize it, meditate on it. Every time Jesus is tempted in scripture, he always quotes back scripture. Every time the enemy comes to tempt him, he is always quoting, no, but the word of the Lord says this. Because there's power behind it. Jesus always responds to the enemy with scripture. Why? Because there's truth in the scriptures. And when you're tempted or your back is up against the wall, here's what you, how are you going to respond? See, if your response comes from your own wisdom or some advice that you get on Facebook or another friend, chances are you're probably going to make the wrong decision. See, the path forward has to be lit by the word of God, not your opinion about what to do next. And this is a hard truth because how, how many of you just would say, and if your husband or your wife is lying, just raise their hand for them, okay? How many of you would say you have a strong opinion? 
you know, sometimes in marriage, you get like polar opposites. You have one person who's got a strong opinion and one person who's like, you know, whatever you want to do. And you're fine with that. It's not like that in our, our marriage. We are both, like we both want our way. If you know my wife, she is a type A, very strong woman. Like she likes to lead. And if you know, I, I've got a very strong will. I'm like, no, and like we can, we can do this. We like to have our way. But listen, at the end of the day, if you truly want to allow the word of God to shape you, you have to be led by it, not your opinion. Because you're going to have opinions about what you should do next. And often your opinions, the, the decisions that you'll make about what you need to do next, often usually connects to your comfort. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make that decision, although I know that God wants me to make that decision, but I'm not going to make that one, because if I make that one, then all these things are going to unfold over here, and I don't want to be uncomfortable, God. And God says, well, then you're not going to change. The second thing that this passage is saying, it says, allow the word of God to discipline you. Allow the word of God to discipline you. And this is where we get uncomfortable, because if you want freedom, discipline comes with that. Not only do we we memorize the word of God, not only do we meditate on it, not only do we think about it, but then it comes to a place where we actually have to do it. And that's what we're good at in churches, right? Oh man, that's that's good. That's that's a good word. I love I love that scripture. Put that one on a coffee cup. I'm just gonna write that one on my refrigerator. And God says, well, now we gotta do it. Now we gotta do it. And this is where we get uncomfortable. This is where verse 23 kicks in. For the commandment is a light, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. So not only does the the scriptures lead us and guide us, but it also disciplines us to help us to move forward. We were talking about this on vacation, about this idea of freedom with our kids. You ever notice like whenever your kids, you can see them when they're up to something and they've done something wrong and they're feeling like shame, they're feeling guilt. And so we always tell our kids, we say, listen, if you've done something wrong, If you come confess and you tell the truth, you're not going to be in trouble. Because we want them to understand that there is this idea in our home where if you are honest and truthful, there's no shame and we're going to love you, we're going to help you, we're going to course correct you, but we're not going to shame you for doing something wrong. Because we all do bad things, right? And we want to create this environment where they feel safe to be honest. So... We're on vacation, and I could see, I, my, my wife, actually, my wife is the one who had the conversation. She's like, I just see something on Isaac. You know, he was, he was feeling something. And so my wife goes up to him, and she says, bud, are, are you okay? Like, did you do something? And he's kind of like, you know, his, his countenance is different, and all the kids are around. And he goes, remember that birthday party we were at two weeks ago? My wife's like, oh, God. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Um, do you remember that table that had gummy worms all over it? She's like, yeah. Remember how you said I could only have five? Yeah. He's like, I ate like 25 of them. <laughs> and then here's the funny thing. He goes, I ate 25 of them. And then Eli goes, I ate at least 20. And then Amelia goes, I think I ate at least 30. They're all confessing. <laughs> 
they're all like confessing. Like it was just this moment where they're all like, well, if he confessed, I'm just going to get it off of me, right? But here's the amazing thing about the scriptures. If discipline is done right, if freedom is done right, then that's what it should look like. Because if you're doing it in the context of community, you don't feel this overwhelming sense of shame. One person says something, you go, oh, my God, I'm not alone in this. Okay, this is what I'm going through, and this is what I'm going And all of a sudden, it starts this chain reaction of everybody confessing different things. See, I, I can express to my children how important it is to keep their room clean, but without discipline, my words will always fall short, Right? My, my words have to have some forward movement with a paddle, you know what I mean? So it's not us just reading the scriptures and saying, man, this is good stuff. It's ultimately getting down to a place of going, how does this apply to my life? What can I do with this? See, Hebrews twelve six says this, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. That's a hard verse. That's a difficult verse. If you find yourself in a place where you're going, God, what is the deal? Like, lay off of me right now, right? God says, no, you're my child. And I refuse to let you stay in this place right now. I refuse to let you stay stuck. See, with your children, you do this all the time, right? When they're playing out in the road and they dive into the street, do you say, hey, baby, come back here. Come see me. Well, no, what do you do? You scream. You get back over here. Why? Because you have their best in mind, right? I'm going to grab their attention with any means necessary to get over here because if they don't, a car is going to run over them and kill them. And sometimes, I'm just being honest with you, sometimes the only way that we learn is by God saying, okay, you've done it your way long enough, so let me step in. <laughs> let me cut off some things in your life, and it's going to hurt, but I promise you this. I am not causing pain in your life because I don't like you. I'm not causing pain in your life because I'm disappointed with you. I'm allowing these things to happen in your life because I love you, and there's better for you. And if you can let me drive this thing, your life is going to be a whole lot better. So we have a choice to make today. What kind of movement do we want to make? We want to make this insane movement where we're just constantly going around in circles and every time the light is shined on our life, we kind of run from it? Or are we going to say, all right, God, shine the light on me and I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do to make this right? And listen, when you accept that call, okay, God, I'll do whatever I need to do to make this right, there's going to be pain involved. It's not going to always feel good, but I can promise you this, the result in the end is so much better than the life that you're living right now. I tell this to people all the time that are never willing to make that step, whether it's confessing something or changing something in their life. This is the question that you have to answer if you're stuck in that place right now. Do you want to live maybe six months with some pain and God cutting off some things in your life and you learning how to reorient your life? Or do you want to live a lifestyle of pain? Which one? You're going to have pain either way. Do you want it to be a lifetime of pain? 
or a season of pain where God says, let me grow you and shape you in this and you can learn from it, you grow from it and you move on and you make some forward movement and you keep walking and you keep going. Because the truth is, some of you would say, well, I'm going to walk a little bit different. I'm going to limp. Maybe you need to. (laughs) God's teaching us how to walk again. He's teaching us how to reorient some things in our life. So I want to do this, and you know, this is obviously, this is just a suggestion, maybe to help you, as I bring this to a close. I want you to try something this week. Just try it, because some of you are in a place where you say, man, I'm, I'm just struggling hearing the voice of God. I want to make movement, but I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to begin. Whatever you are most distracted by in your life, cut it out this week. Just, just try it. If it's social media, just get off of it for a week. If it's Netflix, just turn it off for a week. Whatever it is, and some of you go, that's going to be, yeah, it's going to be hard. And I tell you, the first four days that I was off of it, I'd grab my phone. I'm like, I got nothing to look at, <laughs> right? It's a brand new phone, please, God. <laughs> what are the things that are holding you back, though? Because it comes down to this reality of, do we want to keep sitting in a seat just like this and allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us and going, okay, yes, I know I need this to change. And then walk out of there, Monday's another day, and nothing ever changes. You know what's always really just confused me? People that come to church, get convicted, then walk out there and do nothing, and then you come back to, like, get convicted again. Like you subject yourself to pain every single Sunday. Like, God, I know I need to do that. And you walk out of there and not doing it. And then you come back. Like if I were you, just be honest. Like if I wasn't changing, like I just wouldn't come back. But there's this idea that is really going on. Instead of coming back and feeling this conviction every single time about that one thing in your life, like you can actually have freedom in that. And that thing that holds you, that shame that you feel, that overwhelming sense of I'll never be good enough, like that does not have to control your life. That doesn't have to be the very thing that names you or controls you or identify you. See, when you can move past like that's not who I am, God has a better future for me over here, guess what? You'll walk down any road, whatever it takes. You'll accept any pain because you know that that road is a whole lot better than the one that you're walking right now. And you, and you jump on it. And you jump on it gladly. Man, God, I'll, I'll take the pain, I'll take whatever I need to go through to get to a place where I don't have to live that life anymore. And that's what I want for you this morning. And that you can make some forward movement. They don't have to keep saying it's just a season (laughs) and you've been saying it's just a season for like the last 10 years it's just a season how long does your season need to last because there's actually freedom because when I read the scriptures when I talk with Jesus I understand that he's after my freedom and man he has something a whole lot better for me than me just trying to figure it out myself